This message today, <clears throat> I didn't plan it this way, but it's very appropriate for where we are as a church family and what's coming next for us. Uh, this is week number two in our series on Joshua, and I've called this message Unified Obedience. So as a follower of Jesus, what is it that you believe obedience should look like. Maybe you should just stop cussing so much. Maybe that would be enough for some of you to become obedient, right? Maybe you feel like maybe you should just be giving more regularly. Maybe that's obedience. Or maybe just becoming more regular in church attendance. That would be obedience. Or perhaps your focus on obedience would just be to really focus on personal integrity. Or living a life that's free from immorality and obedience. This may surprise you, but individual obedience, while it's critical, it isn't even the most important aspect of our obedience. Because God has called us as a follower, as, as a church, as followers of Jesus, God has called us to a different type of obedience. He's called us to unified obedience. And that's a lot harder. In fact, God's people, any church, any people, will never prosper solely based upon specific individuals working diligently to adhere to biblical standards. Let me say that again. A church will never prosper if it's just filled with people who are working really hard personally to adhere to biblical standards. That's not going to be enough. A church made up of people that are just focused only on individual obedience resembles man-made religion. But there's no power in that. God's people will not thrive when individual obedience is your only focus. And, as a church, we will fail. I mean, that type of obedience, that's just merely a group of people who follow Jesus individually rather than in a community that loves one another relentlessly. You see the difference? There's no love Nothing really to sacrifice for. There's no power in that type of community. It's built on merely individuals being obedient, and that's not going to be enough. What if I told you that your success in obedience relies more on the people around you than your own personal effort? I'm coming. <laughs> what if I told you the only way to truly be obedient to follow the Lamb wherever He goes is through community. That's the lesson that we learned today from this passage in this incredible story in the book of Joshua. I'm going to read chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Joshua commanded, this is after Joshua has been told by God, you're going to go, you're going to lead my people into the promised land. You're taking Moses' place, but be strong and courageous. Don't worry, I'll keep the word of God on your heart and in your mind and in your mouth. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving to you to possess. To the Reubenites and the Gidites and the half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember 
the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your, li your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers, and you shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. And the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And those two and a half tribes, they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us we will do. And wherever you send us we will go, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so will we obey you. Surely the Lord your God is with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. It's a fascinating passage. Historically speaking, they have an order from Joshua. Now look, Joshua has just come off this conversation with God and immediately he says, yo, Israel, pack up. And I'm giving you three days notice. He's been given this daunting task and this encouragement to be strong and courageous. And he takes with that task and this strength and courage, he takes immediate action. He doesn't delay. He quickly gathers the leaders of every tribe and tells them, it's time. You have three days to get your stuff together, get your people organized. We're going to cross the river. Gather your tents. Gather your sheep. Herd up your kids and your wives and your dogs and your clothes and everything you've got. Pack it up. We are leaving this desert. The entire nation will cross this river into our new home in three days. It's time to go into the land that God has commanded us to go into. There's no debate. There's no negotiation. There's no complaining like the previous faithless generation did who chose comfort instead of promise, comfort instead of destiny. You know, they aren't even waiting for the spies that Joshua has already sent out. This is the second set of spies. He haven't, they haven't even come back yet with their report. They don't even have any battle plans or any strategy. They're just packing up and they're leaving. They just start packing. They're all in together, unified in their obedience to what God has commanded them to do. But then we see another group. It's two and a half tribes. I'm calling them promise keepers. Joshua goes to the leaders of the tribe of Reuben and Gad and one half of the tribe of Manasseh, and they were cattle herders. And so before Moses died, they'd made a deal with Moses. They said, look, this part of the land on this side of the river is perfect for cattle. Why don't you let us just stay here? Make this our inheritance. We see this in Numbers chapter 32. <clears throat> we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we will take up arms ready to go before the people of the Lord until we have brought them to their place. Moses, give us this land, but when the time comes, we'll fight. They received their inheritance early from Moses based on that promise to unite with Israel when the time for battle came. But now Moses is dead. And the time has come. And Joshua goes, and goes to them and appeals to their honor, their covenant they made with Moses. Think about this. This group already had everything they need for prosperity. 
They have their land, they have their cities, they have their families, they have their livelihoods, they have their cattle. Their life plan is set. This is the rest that the rest of the nation is waiting for that we see in verse 15. They already have their rest. You know, they could have made a lot of different excuses. We've already conquered our land. (laughs) Why risk everything we have for land that we're never going to live in? Well, you know, Joshua, our deal was with Moses, and you know, he's dead. We're not obligated to you, Joshua. We didn't make our promise to you. That wasn't their response at all, was it? They didn't even hesitate. They didn't say, let us think about it. Let us gather. Let's discuss. Things have changed. They didn't go back on their word. They left half the men to protect their families, and they sent their finest warriors with Joshua across the river. In love, they honored their promise to Moses without delay, without condition. They were loyal to God and loyal to their brethren. And while this nation of Israel might be 12 different tribes, for right now, they are inspired to trust, act, and obey as one unified people. What about God? What is he doing in this passage? What is the theology? I want you to see how they are unified in faith and their immediate obedience. So listen, on that day, at that moment, God's promise that he made to Abraham 400 years earlier finally materializes. It's a powerful moment. As the people are humbled by God's amazing mercy and his trustworthiness. And under Joshua's guidance... The entire nation shares one focus. We're preparing to enter the land in three days in community. We have one goal. We have one deadline. And all we need are the instructions that we need for today. And those instructions are we are to pack up and leave. Those still living in desert tents, you know, I imagine they were eager to get going. They anticipate this transition to a life of rest, a life of inheritance. Unlike the previous generation, if you remember last week, we learned they were warriors and they were complainers and they were always full of anxiety. And what about this and what about that? We don't have all our ducks in a row. We don't have all these answers. We better not do it. Not this generation. Together, they're strong, courageous, faithful, and laser-focused. They don't postpone their obedience They aren't afraid of the unknowns or unanswered questions. They have each other, and they have the promise of a faithful God. They don't have all the details, only that they are to pack up in three days with everything and cross the Jordan. Think about this, though. Not only that, think about this. Once this nation crosses the Jordan, it's the point of no return. The river cuts their escape off if a battle goes badly. This is not a small decision. Everything is at risk. But together they trust that when the time arrives, God will reveal to them those next steps. But for today, they are unified in full speed ahead. But then there's also some selfless obedience. Think about the faith of those other two and a half tribes, right? They already have everything they need for prosperity, for earthly life. Their life is good. They're successful. They don't worry about paying bills. They're comfortable. Their families are secure. Yet they are prepared to get in the fight with them. 
by being obedient, they are literally risking everything on earth. Humanly speaking, why on earth would they be willing to do that? Why would that first group be willing to go and descendants, their children of former slaves who were only good at complaining? They're going to have to be fully reliant upon God for their success. Immediate unified obedience from both groups is totally unearthly. Where does their unified faith come from? Where does their obedience come from? Paul gives us a clue. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is a miraculous outcome. All these 12 tribes, including the two and a half that have everything they need. An entire nation unified in what seems to be, from an earthly standpoint, irrational obedience. What, are you just going to do whatever he tells you no matter what? Well, apparently so. The only time, listen, the only times this nation had ever been unified before was when they were complaining. (laughs) That's their history of obedience or unification is complaining. This was, in fact, a manifestation of their gift of faith. Brought to them by the same spirit of God that leads us. That spirit of God is what led them into unity and obedience. The same Spirit of God that works in their hearts, stirring them to immediate obedience, it's the same one that Jesus says He gives to us in the Great Commission. The gift of faith has inspired them to take extraordinary action. And they all step into what God has called them to do. The gift of faith has inspired them to set aside all of their personal agendas, all of their personal security for the sake of a greater larger, more important call. Their unified, selfless, immediate obedience enables them to experience tremendous love and power in their community together. They're unified, they're strong, they're courageous. They all begin a new way of life. You know what that life is? Together, they're learning what it means to live by faith and not by sight. personal section. What about us? What are we supposed to do with this? I think it's pretty clear that obedience obedience requires all of us. This was the sermon preview this week. Following Jesus requires unified, immediate obedience from all of God's people, including you. Shouldn't their miraculous, faith-driven, unified, immediate obedience be something that we should want for our church? Wouldn't it be great if the church could come together with this type of unified, immediate obedience? What could we accomplish? Wouldn't it be great if we could experience the same humble awe that was inspired by their belief in God's faithfulness? Well, here's the amazing thing. Look what Paul says in Galatians. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to promise. So we are called to that same unified, immediate obedience to go into the land. Exact promise that inspired Israel's immediate, unified obedience. As a matter of fact, it's the same spirit that prompted the unified, immediate obedience of the first century church under tremendous persecution that's way harder than anything we could ever imagine. But here's the difference. 
our iteration of God's fulfilled promise is far greater than just some land on the other side of the Jordan. Through the gospel, Jesus says we, as we proclaim the gospel, we inherit the entire earth. However, faithfully following the Lamb wherever He goes doesn't always come with all the answers ahead of time, does it? Just like the tribes of Israel, true, unified obedience to our call is going to be filled with lots of unknowns and lots of earthly risks. And it's natural for us as followers of Jesus who want to be obedient, but it's natural for us, is it not, to come up with excuses that delay our obedience so that we can account for other possible scenarios. What we like to do is, we, look, we have no problem doing king work, kingdom work. We'd rather just kind of de-risk it if we could, don't we? <laughs> but let me tell you something. Our delayed obedience really isn't obedience at all. It's disobedience. It's us choosing our plan and our timetable over God's plan and God's time. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, unity. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more important than yourselves like those two and a half tribes did. Let each of you look out not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do you hear that? Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. And do this with unity. The church, specifically, I'm talking to my church family, Grace Life, I can tell you something. Things are happening, and we have been called to unified, immediate obedience, every one of you. We, too, are commanded to trust His divine timing and His provision even when it contradicts our own human understanding. <clears throat> you may not know this, but there are several in our church, some of us, that God is calling them to cross the river for the first time in a new way of life. There are people in your church right now, even our church, which is not that big, it's a good size, but it's not that big, there are a lot of people in our church that feel like God is calling them to full-time kingdom service. Did you know that? In many ways, those of you that feel that call right now, you're like those who were still in the desert living in tents. You're so ready to live by faith and not by sight. You just can't wait. You want to do it now. But there's something holding us back. But today you're being called to step out in faith, to trust God, to provide for your needs, and to provide a pathway. Me personally, I had a call like that 40 years ago. And I can understand how some of you that had that call this morning, and I'm talking to you specifically, I understand how that call feels. It's a call that burns deep, and you become restless because you want it to start now. You can't envision doing anything else long-term in your life but what God has called you to do. And this calling for this kingdom service becomes your single driving obsession and focus and everything else just seems like an annoying obstacle, doesn't it? For others, your call to unified obedience might not look like that, 
but it's still a passion that runs very deep. You feel an intense urge to support and encourage and uplift those that have the boldness to step out in faith into the unknown. You're like the tribes who already had settled, who already found their rest, who already had their land, but still lovingly, joyfully desired to do anything alongside those who had not yet crossed over. So whether you're called to full-time service or to faithfully support those in our church who might be, it is our shared duty to trust God's promises and obey His call because, because our obedience can't be done alone. It must be done together in unified obedience in community. Now, none of you would dispute that, I know, but here comes the challenge. This is where the gift of faith is going to be needed for us as a church. This isn't a call for a year from now. We always like to think about, well, within a year. This isn't a call for once we have all the details and all the contingencies sorted out. It's a call for today. I got a lot from Paul today. Look what he says in Ephesians. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Mm. With all humility, gentleness, patience, patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope. And that's part of your call. You know, just like them... On that day, as your pastor, I can tell you, it feels like Grace Life has been asked to begin a three-day preparation moment. Revival has been happening. We've seen it. People are being stirred to something new, something different, something risky, something scary. And God has brought our church, our precious church family, to this powerful, unified moment like never before in our history. He is calling us, all of you, in fact, to united, immediate obedience later this summer in our church. And it feels like to me, and this, this is more, I'm just kind of getting away from preaching a little bit, just telling you how it feels as your pastor. It feels like to me we are on the banks of the Jordan. But our next few steps are going to require that we learn what it means to live by faith together. But living by faith can be scary, right? There are so many unknowns. Have we planned well enough? Do we know all details? Will we have enough volunteers? Do we have enough staff? Will we have enough resources? Will we have enough supplies? Will we have enough money? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But without some risk, without stepping out in faith, we will always have reasons to delay our obedience, won't we? At some point, obedience just has to happen without all the answers. For us to have the courage as a church that we need through faith, we will need to tap into the power of a unified, obedient community. Church, we have our own Jordan River that we're going to cross soon. We've been sitting on the banks for 
long enough. The time is now. For those of you who are ready to cross into the Jordan to a new life of service to God, (laughs) it's going to require you to have a lot of faith and trust, not just in God, but your brothers and sisters in Christ. For those of you that are ready to heed the call, to extend your hand, to walk alongside of those, you're going to need to have the same faith and trust too because your life might be kind of comfortable right now and maybe you're called to be a little uncomfortable for a while. If we're going to live by faith, it can only happen in community of unified, immediate obedience. We are going to need each other. Together as a unified community, we can promptly, immediately follow the Lamb wherever He is leading us, wherever He goes. That's the only way, church, that is the only way we will have strength and courage, especially since the details of our path remain very cloudy and unclear. Question for you. Have you started packing yet? Are you ready to start packing? Our others around you, you can see they're packing, but you're just still sitting comfortably. What are the fears that are holding you back? Jesus, we know that you are calling us to something as a church. We're not sure exactly what it is. Well, we have an idea. But we have a lot of missing puzzle pieces. And Lord, I know that you want us to be wise and you want us to be prudent and all those things are true. And yes, we commit to do those things. But also, Lord Jesus, we do not want our fear of the unknown to cause us to delay our unified, immediate obedience. Lord, I pray for those in our church who feel like God is calling them to something different, something new, something scary. Lord, give them strength and courage, but also bring people alongside of them that will comfort them, that will help them, that will encourage them, that will inspire them, that will pray for them. And Lord, for those who are called to do that encouragement, I pray that you would give them the strength and courage to step out in faith just a little bit. Lord, we are... We're not just prone to wander. We're prone to be afraid. So, Lord, we're going to ask that you, by the Spirit of God, just the same way, the same Spirit that worked and created unity in the children of Israel, we're going to ask by that same Spirit of God that works in us because of this promise, we're going to ask that that same Spirit unify us all in immediate obedience together to your call to take the gospel to all nations observing everything you've commanded, knowing that you're going to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Lord, we are ready to pack up. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we love you. Have a great week. Go in unified, immediate.